Greetings, and welcome to Beetle Stuffology, where two old friends sit about and talk BS, Beetle stuff, on a track-by-track -track basis, pretty much for the sake of it. My name is JG McQuarrie, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Deacon. Say hi, Andrew. Hello. I'm just sitting here watching the rain come down and down. How about you? Uh, there's actually a hint of sunshine here today, which is oh, wow. uh, unlikely in Scotland, but true. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's quite something. Yeah. Dear listener, JG is in not just the land of Scotland, but the land of the Edinburgh Festival. Yes. So this is obviously a cultural highlight. He's got a, a studio audience in there. Uh, listening away, um, hot Edinburgh ticket, no doubt. Um, yes, uh, um, that's right. And everything you said is true. Hmm. Good. Well, before we linger on this point too long, let's crack on and see what we can do with this episode's song. This episode, we are talking about She's a Woman. Good. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, a B-side. Yeah, and She's a Woman. Yes. That's good, good to know. Thanks for the identification there, Paul. Um, she's a woman. She yeah. understands. Well, there you go. There which you is, go. Yeah. Which is nice. Well, yeah, although she's not necessarily culturally sensitive, maybe. But that's that's an issue, isn't it? Hey, look, you know, this is clearly a song that those four lovable lads from Liverpool liked a lot. I wasn't planning that alliteration. I was quite pleased with that. Um, that's very good. Yeah. And... Um, because they, they played it so often, didn't they? It, it, this is one that, that really entered into their live set in 65 and 66 through to um, being the second song played at Candlestick Park in in that final, um, that final concert. So clearly it was one that they thought worked. Um, so let's unpick why. Hmm. Okay, it's a rocker. There you go. That's my contribution. Okay, thanks for that. Um, you are you are in every sense there, correct. Excellent analysis. I don't know. Um, it is a funny one. I suppose it is unusual in terms of its uh, offbeat and all that. But I know it's. I really I th wanted I feel, to find I, something exciting on, to on, say about on, this one. And sorry, it's sorry, sorry. No, I can't think. You, you you just can't throw in a comment like with the offbeat and all that. I'm sorry, that, that, that needs a little bit of, um, um, you know, expansion for for those of us who, who may have seen, because if you do any reading about this song, then the whole, um, you know, Lennon playing on the offbeat um, comes up quite a lot. And, and I think a lot of us who don't have that, that musical education uh, will just gloss over that and, and get to the bits that they can actually understand. So, right, offbeat and all that, go. Yeah, offbeat and all that. So instead of playing on the beat, He's playing off the beat. So when you say on the beat, <laughs> so what does on that the mean? beat, so so every time the drum hits, you play a chord at the same time. So you're playing on the beat. Off the beat is playing the gaps in between, essentially. So follow up question: um, Lennon is notoriously um, someone who struggled with keeping time. Is this a deliberate thing, or is this just him basically um, being out of kilter with what's actually meant to happen? Um, I think we can say that this is intentional. I don't think he was so far off the beat, <laughs> on the beat, that he slid <laughs> off the beat. <laughs> Even my rhythm playing isn't that bad. It's not, and, uh... and it's pretty choppy as well. And 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 I think that's why, as we'll, we'll talk about later, it becomes a um, a popular um, song for covers because it has that that kind of choppy uh, style that from a layman's point of view, looks as though it's quite simple to, to replicate. Yeah, it's not particularly difficult. You, you need to concentrate on it a wee bit, but it's not particularly uh, 
tough in any any real meaningful sense. Um, I think we can give some credit to Ringo here, who does keep everything absolutely rock steady. Of course, I'm going to give credit to Ringo. That's what I do. Um, but fair, fair. Like, let him keeps it up uh, throughout the the song without any apparent difficulty. And you know, when you hear the live versions, like he can pull it off live. So it's mm. it's not something which is just done for the studio and then quietly walked away. Like you said, they obviously like the song. It got constantly played. Like McCartney was still dragging it out in the '90s. It's on the um, what is it? The official bootleg. So you know, there's there's clearly a degree of affection from him as well. But uh, yeah. it's 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 something that Lennon could do live. So it, that that means something, I guess. With, with reference to the McCartney thing, it's one of those when you go on secondhand songs uh, and you look up She's a Woman by the Beatles, one of the um, the acts that has covered She's a Woman by the Beatles the most is Paul McCartney. And you think, hmm, okay, right. Well, maybe they need slightly <laughs> different um, uh, terms of reference in, in how they work that kind of, of thing out. I mean, this is... Uh, Okay, right, so let's sort of strip this back to the basics. This is, so the legend goes, basically um, an idea that McCartney came up with and he was out for a walk and then brought it straight into the studio and they finished it off and that's about as much time as, as they spent on it. So it's another one of those, seemingly, uh, another one of those those songs where from start to finish um, is you know a matter of, uh, let's just say hours for the sake of argument, um, you know, from conception to delivery, um, you know, it's it's done in a, in a in a blink of a, a metaphorical musical um, uh, moment. So, um, can you blink in a moment? Never mind. I think I forgot how that sentence was going to end. Um, anyway, never mind. Um, so, actually, considering that, it's really really good if you want to sort of take that that context uh, into account, and in particular because. You know the the opening couplet is is you know it's perfectly fine it sets it up but then once um you know he really hits the rhythm and he then go into the lines that are a little bit pacier a little bit punchier um it 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 delivers something that's that's quite interesting again who knows what it would have been like had they actually spent more time on it maybe they might have changed some of the lyrics you never know but it's 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 pretty effective and for a b-side do you know what? It's, it's pretty good yeah i think lyrics is probably the main thing that would get swapped out if it was something that had, had a little bit more time spent on it i mean honestly the construction of the song is really really good yeah um it it, it, it feels substantially different from anything else that we've covered up to this point not just because of the offbeat but just the way that everything locks together you can very easily discern each individual component of the song um, but the way that they lock together is something that the band just haven't ever done up to this point. And there's there's a couple of things that it definitely um, prefigures as well, like the 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 piano line underneath the underneath the lead melody, the do 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 do, um, very much prefigures uh, something like Hey Bulldog, for example. Um, so and the, the 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 way that the song is constructed, the way that the elements are kind of arranged, is very kind of. Um, come together as well so there's a lot of kind of prefiguring going on here and that also gives it an extra little something there's there's work being done here that's going to get picked up in future although things like the offbeat aren't really something that's going to come back there are plenty of other less conspicuous elements maybe that the band are going to pick up and run with uh, further down the line 
that makes it kind of interesting from a sort of historical perspective if you want to put it that way from 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 the way that they they build up and out from from this point onwards so bearing in mind that you've mentioned hey bulldog and come together i presume then when you said an extra little something you weren't referring to the song something uh no not, no. In, this, not in this particular occasion just, just thought i'd clarify <laughs> as, as i couldn't really see the the connection there uh, that's fair enough myself yeah no that's that's fair enough that's fair enough by the way does your love bring you presents uh yeah sometimes it's quite nice yeah, does 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 yours? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would say that the 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 cat brings me presents. The cat is quite a prolific killer of um, um, of, of wildlife. So every morning I come down with some trepidation uh, to see, but only one dead mouse-like creature this week. Um, so you know that's looking up for the wildlife around here. Excellent. And and does your love in any way consider you to be a peasant? Yeah, now, right, okay. So <laughs> because this, we have this, to get into this. Well, we do, we do. And um, for those of you who managed to get through the, the blockbuster uh, that is the Long Tall Sally uh, episode, I mean, I say blockbuster, nothing compared to um, Hard Day's Night album and film. Absolutely. But basically, oh, actually, no, it, it wasn't Long Tall Sally. It was, um, it was, I think, I Feel Fine. Anyway, whatever the last one was that we recorded, uh, that was still quite a long one, um, we are going to try and make this a really, really tight, shorter episode today. But we did talk about the fact that this is probably the worst rhyme in Beatles history. There will probably be something else that will spring to mind at some point. But certainly at the moment, presence and peasants just is evidence of the speed at which uh, the song was written. However, bearing in mind how often they played it, they didn't think it worthy of, of changing you know, at no point they thought, well, okay, do you know what? A, no one can hear us. B, mm, not really sure about that. No, no one's going to notice that we're not singing the original words and hopefully no one will really care. Why don't we change it? But peasants, presents and peasants. Yeah, it's not great. Um, but I, also one of the one of the reasons may simply be, you know, like for all that they enjoyed playing it, like it's a throwaway B-side. It's not yeah. something which has made it onto the album. So it may not simply not have been deemed worthy of, of spending any more time on it. It's done. We've done it. Okay, fine. It's not the greatest piece of uh, lyrical artistry in the world, but you know, fine. We get on with it. Um, it's obviously popular enough to um, keep its yeah. place in the set list for the audience as well as for the band. So, you and know, that's probably why I'm Down was also um, a popular, um, well, popular for them live song, a song that they enjoyed playing, had fun playing. But um, there you go. So uh, My Love Don't Bring Me Presents, Christmases are non-events. There you go, Paul, throwing, throwing that one in for you. you that's that's one that you, you could have had. Um, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of throw in a few of the others as we go go through the conversation. But um, have you have you got one? Um, yeah, well, I could give like a 21st century spin if we wanted. Sure. Like, my love don't give me presents. I like it when she consents. Okay, thank you very much. A little bit of politics there. There we go. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah, sorry about that. Um, we don't want uh, anything as, as juicy as politics to interrupt us. We have um, we have a lot in this song that um, challenges Mr. McCartney when it comes to the vocal range. So I think maybe having simplistic lyrics like that... Um, maybe do help quite substantially you know it's not something if you're if you're concentrating on really belting it out which obviously he does do 
having lyrics which are that simplistic does help it, it makes it a really uh, easy uh, thing to do to be able to focus on, on your performance rather than on the words that you're delivering so if we want to feel generous about the quality of the, ly the lyrics here we could use that as a bit of a, a fig leaf fair enough fair enough and, he, and he's going for it a bit with the bass on this as well isn't he he's, he's starting to uh, to really develop more sophisticated bass lines on this which you know is, is something that, that I know McDonald um, you know, points out as well. It's it's you know really kind of starting to say, do you know what? I'm quite good at this. Let's make it a bit louder, please. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we've had plenty of sophisticated bass lines up till now. The difference is now we can hear them. Um, even though this is this is still uh, Hoffner vintage bass lines. Yeah. You know, this is much much clearer. It's much further up in the mix. And some of those like early Beatles songs, there there are some phenomenally complex bass lines on them, but they're just muddy they're just hard to make out but now we're starting to get yeah that cohesion between the quality of the baseline and its audibility and, and, and do you think that maybe there's an element of um um look at me mr lennon i can play something more complex than the the riff to i feel fine and sing at the same time mr lennon mr lennon sir leader of the band mr lennon sir you were there first i'm just your humble servant mr lennon sir you may very well think that i couldn't possibly comment fair enough fair enough uh, that comes from i i, I was sitting in the library before um um here's a juxtaposition before it was it was raining uh before nipping in to see the the old barbie movie the other day she's a woman she certainly is by the end of it anyway um and and i was reading through a book of rolling stone interviews and um yeah there's 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 something about um you know lennon's interview i think it was 71 in there where he seems really bitter about the fact that this bloke, James Paul McCartney, came in and took over his band. And, you know, and you just think, right, OK, fair enough. Um, but then we know, don't we, to, to treat a lot of the, the 1970s um, Lennon interviews with an absolute pinch of salt because he does say some, some daft things that even he would probably be a little bit embarrassed about. Um, and, and funnily enough, I was, let's see if I can find it while I was yakking away. There was something that I saw someone had put on Twitter, which sort of was praising Lennon for his consistency. And, and you always knew where you stood with him. And I sort of just thought, mm, well, really? that's bollocks. Really? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he just made shit up to fit whatever mood he was in at the time, which which is fine. But come on. <laughs> it was utterly bizarre. Or maybe it was on uh, the gram. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I looked at that and, and I did have un petit chacal because I just thought, well, yeah, that's just basic nonsense. I'm not going to find it now. And, and it, you know, it would be unbecoming to to name and shame any particular um, individual for making what is, you know, just a teeny, teeny, teeny mistake. But there we go. And, and you know, it's being able to put something together like this and, and knock it out in, in a really sort of short period of time is, is kind of the epitome of that, that sort of early Beatles element, isn't it? It's that, that not wasting time, um, but knowing the songs that you need to spend a few hours on developing and knowing the songs that you can just sort of knock out and they will be quote unquote good enough. Um, and, and one of the things that, that makes them so incredibly effective. 
absolutely. And one of the things about this song is how consistently well they could play it. You know, there's a version on the Hollywood Bowl uh, album, there's a Live at the BBC. Live at the BBC version is kind of interesting because there's very little energy in it. It's very competently mm. played, but there's not a lot of drive to it. There's not a lot of, of the same kind of full throttled yelp that you, you tend to get. Uh, when McCartney does it uh, live or or even in the studio version. Um, but it's very, very competent. Uh, like George's little uh, solo, like absolutely not perfect, flawless. Um, everybody makes sure that they hit their spots. But it's not the driver that one might hope for. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's that's interesting. I mean, do you, do you think that might have been when they were sort of out on tour or um, do you... You know, I, I sort of wonder when that could have been because this was recorded, I think, towards the end of the, um, um, you know, the recording sessions. Because I think was, this was what twenty seventh of November, and then I think really after that, they're they're in on the eighteenth of October, and then again I think about the fourth of December. Um, so now I've got that wrong. I know it's the release. Sorry, eighth of October. They're 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 recording this. Then in again on the eighteenth, and then about the um, the twenty sixth of October, and then roughly they're done, you know. So there's you know it's it's coming towards the end of the uh, Beatles for Sale sessions. So were they heading out on the road at this time? I don't know. Uh, I honestly don't know either. But I know one of the things with the BBC sessions is because. I mean, uh, I'm, this, I'm sure this is a well-known fact, so I apologise for straying into um, unoriginal territory. Um, but, you know, at the time it was mandated um, that material that was played was recorded for specifically for the radio um, in terms of that sort of material. So um, that means if they are recording something which they know is going to be broadcast again and again and again, like you want to make sure you nail it in terms of the musicality of yeah. it. But the sacrifice from that is that there's very little spontaneity in this performance. It's very musically competent, but the life isn't really there. Um, for all the version that's on the uh, Hollywood Bowl album, it's really kind of sloppy and whatever. But like, there's real like they're clearly having a blast playing it. It's quite hard to listen to because of the screams, but they're still clearly having a lot of fun knocking this song out, even though it's a bit all over the place. Whereas the the BBC is the inverse of that. It's it's very competent, but there's just not that much life to it. Um, but I suspect I suspect the fact that it's for the BBC that it's going to be something which can get trotted out at any point would be more likely to put them on their game in terms of like being professional musicians. But but something gets lost in in translation. Okay, so they weren't necessarily recording it for one of the the specials that they did. No, um, well, I think one of them was for a special. I think one of them was for Top Gear. Brackets, not that one. Close brackets. Yeah. And um, yeah, so they, they recorded it twice for the BBC. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just it's an interesting little thing that 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 for whatever reason, like the the, the energy just doesn't come across there. Okay, so I wonder if that's then a musicians' union requirement as well, because um, the the musicians' union was was pretty strong. Um, even into I think what, late seventies, early eighties, especially with things like um, you know, Top of the Pops. I think there was that element that the things had to be recorded, especially for exactly uh, Top of the Pops as well. Okay, all right, fair enough. Yeah, exactly okay. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, obviously I've got something to add here. Um, you know, uh, that my love doesn't bring me presents. She gives them to other gents. <laughs> That's okay. That's still still yeah. not as bad. Yeah. That, that, that works. Yeah. 
that works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm 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 happy with that. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I th- th- there's a recent cover that I want to mention. Um, and uh, well, actually, I'll tell you what. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna sort of go back to, I think 1971, for the first one because it has a very specific Beatles reference. Um, and then I'll come forward to 91 and then I'll come forward to March of this year um, The Move okay so Birmingham's finest The Move and this is The Move not that long after to Jeff uh, Jeff Lynn has joined and it's a it's a BBC session with I think Jeff Lynn singing now um, if anyone's listened to more than a couple of episodes of this they'll know that, that um, you know ELO and, and Pink Floyd um, are in my my personal view two bands that don't necessarily deserve the uh, the legacy um, that they have managed to uh, um, uh, acquire, shall we say? Well, you know, on, on this one, I'm going to back off slightly because it's pretty good. And and what's I think is really good about it is is the fact that unlike so many other covers that you hear of this song, they don't try and replicate the the choppy guitar. And instead, what we've got is this really sort of loud distorted but upfront bass sound that is driving the riff instead and and as a result it's different and and it works the only place where it doesn't is in that that sort of sort of lighter tone of of the the middle eight where you know they they just don't bother with the the distorted bass because it it doesn't work with with that particular tone so that that one i thought was um um was was good because you know it's you know, we we like to find ones that are perhaps doing something slightly different, um, and yes. you know, it's, it's nice to be able to say, well, you know what, Jeff, um, okay, you know, there are some things here that work, and obviously, Jeff Lynn, Beatles, sure, knock yourself out with with the links, although we still don't know if he, he's involved in the um, um, the upcoming. Impending. AI assisted, yes. No, I don't. No, I haven't well, heard anything yeah, yeah, about yeah. the production. Ob- of obviously, that. obviously, dear listener, when he says AI in, um, um, assisted, he is aware of all the caveats, and it's not actually yes. blah blah blah. It's not doing that. It's not bad AI. It's just yeah. Anyway, sorry. Don't don't write in in your your single figures uh, complaining. Um, but there you go. Anyway, sorry, you were saying. Well, yeah. Um, we don't know. I think uh, at this point who's going to be producing it you know I'm, yeah. I'm i'm hoping the answer will be uh giles martin not uh not jeff lynn um uh, but we'll see we'll see uh, it'll be interesting to to find out where it goes but um i kind of agree with you on that uh, that um that cover by the move it is nice to have that version there because a lot of the cover versions are very much kind of down the line hmm recreations of what it is um and one of the odd exceptions which isn't is dreadful which is the the jeff beck version uh, do, you know, do you know what which, I, didn't even, I didn't even bother listening to it it's like pretty absolutely pretty, dire i pretty much thought i knew what i would be getting with it which is i know the wrong thing to say but um what's so dire about it it's existence uh but i suppose up and Fair beyond <laughs> up and beyond that um it's got an incredibly long, wanky guitar solo uh, all over it, which is not great. It sounds like it belongs in a tape being played in a 1970s Quickie Mart. It's just, it's so banal. Oh, and lest we forget, 
uh, the vocals are vocorded. Oh wow! Okay, and that's not, yeah. that's not the first thing that sprung to mind in terms of its awfulness. I wanted to hold that back, so I had a build. You know, okay. like like there's a okay. lot of things that yeah. Okay, right. Well, the production is really sterile. Uh, the guitar solo is pointless and wanky, but the big climax is the vocal vocorded uh, lyric, and it's it's so bad. No, it's so- just so bad. We, we should, of course, say Jeff Beck, I think, you know, will come up on the um, in memoriam for, for 2023. And, you know, many regard him as one of the, the, the most virtuoso of, of all sure. guitar players and so on and so forth. But it just so happens that I don't like that virtuoso guitar solo. Let's play as many notes as quickly as we can in the short space of time as possible. Um, and see if the audience loves it kind of kind of guitar playing it, it, it doesn't you know he clearly had a good enough career um um with lots and lots of people who adored him and and a wonderful life and and that's wonderful doesn't necessarily mean that i have to like it too uh, no i think we're i think we're sort of uh along similar lines here I, I, that that kind of sort of virtuosity for its own sake doesn't really do much for me like he's clearly an amazing guitarist he's clearly a very talented individual i wouldn't want to suggest otherwise but, but it's, all about the song. It's, it's, it's not for me it's just not for me well and the thing is, is i think a lot of the a lot of the song as far as this is because like you know good musicians can still do bad cover versions you know um, cough, Paul McCartney kisses in the bottom cough. Um, Mr. You know, Moonlight. Oh, see, I was trying to go for something that wasn't just Mr. Moonlight. Like that's always our point of reference, and that's fine. But you know, um, yeah, all right, fine, Mr. Moonlight. Um, yeah, it, you know, yeah, it's just, it's just a really bad cover version. So yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll then give you one that, on the surface, sounds really bad, and then actually doesn't turn out to be quite as bad. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um. Nineteen ninety-one. Scritty Politi and Shabaranks. It's a curious combination, right? <laughs> it's not <laughs> not one I was aware of prior to uh, prior to researching this episode. I must admit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've. I've. I mean. I've, th- there. There are bits. We of... suffer for this podcast, you know. No. 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 It's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> there, there, there are parts that my, my brother quite likes Scritty Politi, so I, I did listen to a fair bit of their 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 sort of soul pop. Um, you know, era um, growing up, but I was always aware of the fact that they they had this sort of um, pseudo Marxist version um, of the band. But then doing a little bit of reading about it, you can see why them doing a cover. I mean, forget the whole Shabaranks thing. Um, it's just you know, it makes no sense whatsoever. But um, it, it it does make sense because apparently he he had absolute massive panic attack at some point in I think late seventies, early eighties. Um, and and took several months off from the band, and during that time he revisited that whole thing and thought, well, actually, do you know what? We shouldn't be involved in in these discussions of you know material dialecticism and and so on and so forth. We should just make really really good pop music. And he revisited some of the things that he really loved, for example, you know, soul and early Beatles. So you can then sort of see that you know over the next ten years why he would have got around to doing something like this. I mean, it does. I mean, it begs the question, as as you might ask for for a lot of these covers, why this particular Beatles song? But the thing I think for me that that makes it really interesting is that if you know anything about Green Gartside, you know that he does not have a power pop voice. His voice is is actually quite soft, 
um, and and therefore to to have someone like that singing this song makes it really interesting. Um, and and it's 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 perfectly fine. It's got um um you know very kind of Dullasol type video with all those sort of you know swirly um, um green and reds and yellows in the background. Um, and of its type, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's it's just another way of, of looking at it and thinking oh okay right so it's interesting to see what someone can do it can have that sort of very poppy kind of hip-hop type feel to it and sort of work and it does sort of work even if my original reaction looking here at my notes is just a simple omg exclamation mark um you know a valid I, reaction yeah absolutely absolutely but um yeah that have you got any other covers before I get onto my my recent one? No, no, keep time traveling. I want to I want to know where you're going. Okay, with this. so this is from um, a Yola Tengo gig in in March of this this year, where they're actually joined on stage by Wilco oh, okay. for the encore. Um, and for this particular encore, they do four covers, um, one of which is a Dylan song, and, and another one that I'll um, I'll mention in a minute. Um, and but the first one is she's a woman, and. It's just really odd as to why they would pick it as a, as a Beatles fan. I'm I'm sure you'd you'd want to pick something that is not necessarily obvious. You're not going to do Strawberry Fields Forever unless you've got a a strong vision of of how you're going to do it. And unless you're Oasis, you're probably not going to do I Am the Walrus. Um, you know, you're, you're going to pick something where you know you can create a discussion about it. Oh, that's interesting. They're doing that, but also something that's that's fun to play and I suppose this is the fun to play and and of course in all of these at no point do they change the um the rhyme at no point does for example someone go um my love don't bring me presents this leads to arguments you know no no one does that um, and that's and that's a loss for the world <laughs> it's a loss for the world you think <laughs> why why are you not doing this um but then you, what you've got is you've got two bands on stage and it's not a particularly big stage. It looks like it's a theatre gig, I think maybe in Chicago. Um, and um, the the second verse is sung by Jeff Tweedy um, of, of Wilco. And I'm going to be f- scrupulously fair here. The vocals are dreadful. Now I'm being scrupulously fair, fair here because... I suppose, in, in his defence, they're dreadful because you can't really hear them. It's one of those things where this man is clearly singing into a microphone and yet nothing is coming back from the, uh, the microphone. It's almost as though uh, roadies have rushed on stage, put an extra microphone on because they know that someone's coming out but they've not bothered to, to sound check it so they don't know how much is, is going to come out. Um, and, and so what you have then is just basically some guys playing some instruments and some vocals that you can't really hear. Um, and yet, actually, lots and lots of news articles in in various um, you know blogs, websites, um, music type um, um, online publications have, have recorded about oh yeah this this gig where they did all these these covers and right okay have any actually watched the video because it's not that good it's really not that good you've got two bands there who I like a lot and this is really not very good. Um, the the last cover, by the way, is um, sung by Yola Tengo's drummer Georgia Hubley, and it's it's okay. 
but it's um, a cover of Who Knows Where the Time Goes, which is a, um, an amazing Fairport Convention song. And this, this is another one. I've, I've started listening to a bit of Fairport Convention recently, which has sort of slightly surprised me. And there are some songs that are just absolutely um, you know, you know, beautiful, really amazing. But the thing is, I don't know why you would take on a song that Sandy Denny sang, who is just an amazing singer. And yeah, you know, you can sing a bit and it's perfectly fine. But then Sandy Den Denny sung it. But actually looking at it, quite a lot of people have sung that song. It's almost as though it's kind of like the converse to the fun song. Hey, let's pick a fun and slightly obscure song by band we know. Let's pick something that is a really, really well-known song by a really, really well-known singer. Um, because then maybe some of that will rub off. And, and if I can sing it quite well, that makes me a good singer too. I don't mm. know. I don't know. But it's sort of, you know, with with someone like Sandy Denny, maybe sort of see also Jeff Buckley. You think, okay, right. Well, you know, why would you do a song that someone like that has sung? Um, you know, but CF, everybody who's, who's then done a, uh, I mean, I know his was a cover as well, but um, anyone who sung Hallelujah in the last 30 years, I think, you know, Jeff Buckley's done it. Don't bother. Seriously, there's, there's no point. Don't bother. <laughs> it's it, It's been done as good as is possibly going to be done, both by Leonard Cohen with his version in his own distinct way and Jeff Buckley because, you know, he's Jeff Buckley. Don't bother. Yeah. Well, would you think that that applies to She's a Woman? Do you think this is the the Beatles version is the best version of that song that there can be? Apologies to uh, uh, to JG who's got to edit those noises. I don't know. I think that's only one I can reply with with noises. And I think because it's a fun song, um, I think you can do it in you know and and have fun. You know, um, sort of a little bit like a you know a school band maybe thinking they're edgy by doing a cover of Helter Skelter and just kind of shouting out the lyrics. You can you can sort of be quite effective because it's not virtuoso. So you can bring something to it and do something with it. I think when you've got something that is, I don't want to use the word definitive because definitive is is just rubbish. It's something that cannot be definitive, etc., etc. It's something that is is you know just really good and exceptionally um, proficient you know you're 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 on a hiding to nothing unless you're doing something particularly different but I think with she's a woman you can have fun with it as long as your microphones are on yeah that's usually one of the uh, one of the important considerations I'm I, I I'm not going to be able to find any way of disagreeing with you on that I am and, uh, curious curious about one sort of last thing that I want to ask you as well which is you're mentioned in the podcast before that you're not necessarily the biggest fan of like Paul McCartney going like full belter vocals and that's pretty much exactly what he does in this and that's all he does in this mm, I don't so, think he does so I don't think he does I, I think there is a bit where you know he, he's not screeching I mean he's I think this in terms of vocal performance is is maybe up a notch from I saw her standing there um but it's it's nowhere near as as full on as um you know kansas city hey hey for example i don't know I just pluck one off the way i was trying to avoid saying help skelter again i mean it's it's not completely out there i think there's an element of 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 control in so no the, the voice doesn't particularly um bother me uh on this i think it is shall we say appropriate for 
the song. I'm sure if um, you know he were to update it and update the lyrics to, for example, to "My Love Don't Bring Me Presents," like Supreme Court Justice dissents, then then he would put a lot more emotion into it because um, he would be um, getting across his view about the current right wing majority in the U.S. Supreme Court, and that's obviously going to be something that that frustrates someone like like Sir Paul. Um, but I don't think he do, quite does that here. No. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're correct. Uh, but that's worth, not a thing he but, does. But worth worth getting in there. Um yeah. So um I'm 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 all out on this now. I mean I I do have another couple of um um My Love Don't Bring Me Presents, but um I can't remember which ones I've done so far, so I don't know which ones I've got to do. <laughs> okay. Right, well before off. Before we run the risk of falling into rep, uh, repetition, then let's uh, let's score this old thing. Uh, what do you want to give it? Six. Six. Uh... Yeah, it's, it's perfectly perfectly fine. A lot of fun, crap lyrics. But um, if I'm if I'm not going to mark down, you can't do that on the basis of, of the uh, the whacking great uh, misogyny. Then I'm not going to score it too harshly on the basis of one particularly awful rhyme. Even though if you go on the the otherwise excellent Beatles Bible. Uh, website and and you look at the comments you see that some people have decided that that this is the most terrific thing anyone's ever done precisely because of that rhyme it's just one moment well, actually no it is repeated at least once <laughs> yeah it's not but, one moment know. one moment Wait. would be fine <laughs> move on move on get on with it, get on All with right. it. anyway good i'm going to give it i'm going to give it six as well i think i think it's a perfectly respectable song and that's about as far as i'm prepared to go with it dear beatles you were perfectly respectable <laughs> they- Kind regards, Gigi. Yeah, yeah, no, that'll do. Right, good. Uh, let us leave this one where it is. Um, you can really get a hold of us. Uh, you can contact us by email. We are Beatlesstuffology at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at Beatles underscore Ology. And you can find my blog at www.jgmcquarry.scott. Uh, and you can read uh, Andrew's writing at www.stuffology.co.uk. Uh, please also check out my other podcast because we really, really need listeners. Uh, that would be Talking Trek to You, uh, where a noob and an expert uh, go through the original Star Trek episode uh, episode by episode. Please like, rate, and review us on whatever podcatcher you are using so that other people can find the show. Uh, next episode, we move on to the fourth album. So it's time for Beatles for Sale and No Reply. And as always, we hope you're going to join us for it. But until then, keep listening.